1: Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Here we are, and if you want to run with the game-changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz Bribery and corruption are alive and well, unfortunately. Let me start with the definition of white-collar crime, courtesy of the Legal, Defin- the Legal Dictionary at thefreedictionary.com if you want to check my references here. White-collar crime is a broad term that encompasses many types of nonviolent criminal offenses, including fraud and illegal financial transactions. White-collar crimes include, get ready, here we go is a list, bank fraud. Bribery, blackmail, counterfeiting, embezzlement, forgery, insider training, money laundering, tax evasion, and antitrust violations. It's hard to document the extent. Why? Because the FBI's crime statistics only collect data on three categories. What are they? Fraud counterfeiting and forgery, and embezzlement. All other white-collar crimes are listed in the other category. How convenient for the FBI. Nonetheless, law enforcement officials agree that white-collar crime is a major problem. So let's talk about it. The global economy does continue to bring great opportunities, but with it come great risks. Wherever in the world your company is doing business, whether it's here at home, wherever here is, or afar, do you have sound measures in place to detect and thwart clever bribery and corruption fraud schemes, especially, and here's the kicker, those that might be cooked up by people you trust, staff, consultants, analysts, a lot to think about. Perhaps technology can help you. I have three experts on the panel. I know they're experts because they've already been on the radio with me, but they were on our other series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, such good information, such great expertise. We invited them back here on Coffee Break. Let me read you a little quote, each of them. Sent me, and then I'll tell you their bios. So we're going to be joined first by Tom Fox. He's an attorney and an independent consultant now, and he wrote an ebook about GSK. Those of you hiding under a rock, that's GlaxoSmithKline. Let me read this. Tom says, GlaxoSmithKline in China will be a complete game changer in bribery and corruption enforcement across the globe. There's the warning shot across the bow. We'll be talking to Tom in just a minute. Also joined by Vincent. He's letting me call him Vince because we're such old friends. Vince Walden mm-hmm. from Ernst & Young, and he quotes something called Park. Parkinson's. Parkinson's Law. I had to look this one up. Work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. Why says Vince Walden. Think about the new types of work we'll do given the game-changing performance enhancements of da-da-da, big data. That's what he's going to be talking about. And we're also joined by Melissa Lee of SAP, and she quotes Albert Einstein. Great quote. Listen carefully. You might want to put this on the back of your business card. Two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the universe. That's a quote from Albert Einstein. I think he was ahead of his time. So join us for the next hour for compliance. Focus on Anti-Bribery, Anti-Corruption, Part 2. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP episode. Well, who's counting? 108. Little show we started almost just about two years ago in October 2011. Today we're live. It's Wednesday, October 23rd, and we are going to be tweeting our hearts out. I see Tom Fox at TFox Law is already tweeting. I see SAP Cloud OD is tweeting. We have our own Tom Flanagan from SAP. Tom with an H-T-H-O-M Flanagan is tweeting, and I'm tweeting Meeting as Game Changers at BizBreak Radio. And if you want to join the Twitter party and the stream, we're at hashtag SAP Radio. Now let me tell you who my guests really are and then we'll get started. First we're going to introduce Vince Walden. He's a partner with Ernst and Young's fraud, investigative and dispute services practice, based in the New York office. We'll find out if that's where he is in just a second. Vince specializes in forensic technology, business intelligence, and fraud detection analytics. He's a CPA and certified fraud examiner. He's written several publications that have been featured in ABC News Online, The Economist, Fraud Magazine, Internal Auditor Magazine, and Compliance Week. Hello, Vince Walden. How are you?
2: Good morning, Bonnie. I'm doing great.
0: And where are you calling from today?
2: I'm Actually, I happen to be in Washington, D.C. today.
0: And is your weather as cloudy and kind of pre-yucky as it is here in New York?
2: Yeah, you know, it was a very bumpy ride this morning from the airline, from the airplane from New York to DC, but uh, we survived.
0: I'm glad. Glad you survived. We needed you back here on the show. Thanks for joining me, Vince. (laughs) Tom Fox, I'm reading the bios out of order. Shame on me, but Tom Fox, you're going to be first when we do the quote. So Tom Fox Fox has practiced law in Houston for 25 years. You don't look at Tom. He's now an independent consultant assisting companies with anti-corruption and anti-bribery compliance and international transaction issues. He was previously the division counsel with Halliburton Energy Services, a name often in the news, where he supported their software. Division and Downhole Division. What is a Downhole Division, Tom Fox? I've been dying to ask you.
3: A Downhole Division is a division which puts tools down a uh, drilling hole to bring out uh, oil or gas.
0: Thank you very much. Needed to ask that. Let me read a little more. You're the author of the award-winning FCPA Compliance and Ethics blog and the international best-selling book, Lessons Learned on Compliance and Ethics. And you also wrote the ebook I was talking about in my intro, GSK in China, A Game Changer in Compliance. What compelled you to write that ebook? Quickly, Tom Fox.
3: Uh, the GSK matter was, I thought, a true game changer, but more importantly, or interestingly, the Chinese enforcement officials released a lot of information during the pendency of the investigation, which you typically don't get from the Department of Justice here in the United States. So there's a lot of factual information I was able to put into the book that I wouldn't ordinarily get in such an investigation.
0: Good. Well, I'm sure the people in the know are pleased that you put it down on paper, or e-paper as we might call it, and thank you very much for sharing the e-book with us. Let me now introduce our third panelist, Melissa Lee, welcome back. Melissa is the Chief Global Compliance Officer for SAP Group Companies. She joined SAP in 2002 as Compliance Manager for Human Resources in the U.S. I don't know if, Melissa, you know this, but we have a separate mini-series here on the Business Channel called HR Trends with Game Changers. That might be interesting to you. Melissa's team specializes in international laws related to bribery and corruption prevention. That's our theme today, competition law, revenue recognition, and U.S. SEC regulations, international trade, you're a busy lady. International trade compliance, international employment law, and here's why you're on the show today white collar crime. Melissa oversees a network of 83 local subsidiary compliance officers in SAP subsidiaries around the world. In the U.S., she's a member of the Florida and Pennsylvania state bars. Welcome back, Melissa Lee. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. And tell me something where are you calling from? Uh, Newtown Square Oh good, so it's probably a little bit hazy and overcast there like it is here in New York We had some sun
4: right until you said that (laughs) (laughs)
0: Melissa, I'm really not that powerful. Trust me, I'm really not. So let's go back in and let's pull apart these very interesting quotes you all sent me. Tom Fox, we will start with you, attorney and independent consultant. GSK in China will be a complete game changer in bribery and corruption enforcement across the globe. Tell me why in a couple of sentences. Why is this going to be the case to watch or the case to follow? Tom?
3: This is the first time we've had a country outside the United States enforce its own domestic Bribery and corruption laws against a a Western company. So instead of the U.S. government enforcing the FCPA or the British government enforcing the UK Bribery Act, we have China enforcing its own domestic anti bribery laws against a Western company alleged to have engaged in bribery and corruption in China.
0: So is the surprise here that China bothered to do it, that China gathered the evidence that they're saying, hey, uh, stand up and look, we're not just manufacturing things you all use over there, but we have our eye on you. Is that what's such a surprise, Tom? Uh,
3: No, the surprise was really that they had moved from prosecuting the the bribe receivers in China, the party officials, the government officials, the uh, uh, people who ran the state-owned enterprise, and have turned to the people who are alleged to have paid the bribes, in other words, the Western companies doing business in China.
0: Interesting, interesting. So what's that old expression, you can run but you can't hide? Or you can bribe but you can't hide? It sounds like you can't hide. Thank you, Tom. We'll hear a lot more from you on the rest of the show. Let's turn to Vince Walden from ENY. y Parkinson's law, work expands to fill the time available for its completion. And you said, think about the new types of work we'll do given the game-changing performance enhancements of big data. Tie this into our white-collar crime, bribery, corruption theme, please, Vince. <clears throat>
2: Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, and, hmm, mm-hmm. It's a
0: deep thought.
2: huh? Uh, it was coined <laughs> okay. back in The Economist in 1955, and uh, it's still relevant today. If you think about big data and where we're going with the types of analytics and the types of information that we can now process. From a compliance monitoring perspective, it is a game changer. Um, We're able to process that much more information. And when I talk about processing information, looking for corrupt, potentially corrupt, or improper payments, or looking Mm -hmm. for inappropriate communications, and even thinking about like third party watch lists and who you're doing business with, the types of analytics that we're able to do now Look beyond just focusing on just the single ERP system. So just take, you know, SAP's accounts payable, for example. But now we're seeing companies combine the accounts payable payments data with real time watch list feeds, with real time perhaps email communications, or perhaps email or travel and entertainment expenses, such that I can ask new questions of the data that I've never been able to ask before that says, you know, I've paid this vendor, you know, $100,000 through the accounts payable system, but I also happen to get a flag that that person was just showed up on a watch list, uh, some government sanctions list, and my team has been talking about them in email communications, and they've been whining and dining them in travel and entertainment expenses. Before, we would just look at data in isolation, and now we can look at data happening together. And because of big data, and you think, her terms like Hadoop and mm-hmm. some of these large MapReduce processing capabilities. We're able, I'm seeing clients ask questions of their data that they have never been able to ask before. So just think going back to Parkinson's law, think about the new expectations and the new types of work that we can be doing from a compliance monitoring standpoint that we haven't been able to do before and how much more efficient we can be in terms of where we spend our resources.
0: Very interesting. And Vince, quick question before I bring Melissa on to talk about her great Einstein quote. Vince, are we talking mostly about detection or is there a glimmer of hope for prevention?
2: You know, it's funny. My my book of business, and I might have mentioned this when we spoke last time, my book mm-hmm. of business has really has changed over the years. Um, before, mm-hmm. it was almost always 80% or more. Uh, was the reactive, you know, responding to investigations. Now yes. almost it's more 60-40. 60% of my business now, my clients, are asking us to help with proactive uh, compliance monitoring and setting up the compliance programming um, monitoring in their organizations proactively to help them get ahead of this rather than always reacting. So it's I would say now the trend is more proactive, uh, and uh, although you still see the reactive situations, it's unfortunate, uh, Tom, you, you mentioned GSK. I just read in the Financial Times this morning, uh, following up to your point earlier, Tom, that uh, in the Financial Times it says GSK's sales dropped 60% in China. Now, you know, it was the Financial Times, I just read it, I didn't get into the details, but holy cow, that is some mm-hmm. significant dollars,
0: Uh, It is, and we're we're going to be talking about that with Tom. But, Vince, I want to thank you for that. I was very interested in that 60-40 shift you mentioned because I'd like to have our roundtable discussion in the next couple of segments talk about not just detection. That's great. But if you are not proactive, you will have to be reactive. I think we can agree with that. So I want to talk about what's being done to be preventive and Make sure that people know we are watching you. We have measures in place. We know how to look at the big data. We know how to use analytics. Don't try it here. I think that's the message I'd like to see if that's pervasive. And now let's bring on Melissa Lee from SAP. Great Einstein quote, Melissa, two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And Einstein said, and I'm not sure about the universe. Talk to me, Melissa, about how this relates to white-collar crime, please. Thanks, Bonnie. I I have to choose my words carefully, so no (laughs) I think I think Vince was choosing his carefully too when he said "Holy cow!" So yes, <laughs> yeah. you're, 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 I know, I know that you're, you're in Great. good company. Go ahead. Melissa. I don't want anyone
4: at SAP or elsewhere to think I'm <laughs> relying on this quote because I think everybody's stupid, myself included. But um, what this says to me, really, and the, why, the reason it plays into my day to day work as an internal company practitioner, is that people will make mistakes, and you know, even in a perfect environment where I'm sitting in the United States, speaking in my native language of English, and training ten people at least one will come away with no good understanding of what I actually said, which probably isn't that person's fault, but people communicate in different ways. And when you add to that language barriers, cultural differences, describing a new business expectation that's contrary to years and years of prior practice in a culture that they're not used to these kinds of rules, that is really what the challenge is for companies to try to get out there, message the right way, and be preventative.
0: Okay, good. That's where we want to go with this. You know what? We're at our point of break. I'm, I'm sending messages here to my engineer, Brad OML. That means on my lead. There's a language that probably not too many people would understand, Melissa. I'm speaking today to Tom Fox, Vince Walden, Melissa Lee. Great panel, great insights. We're talking about ION Compliance, focus on anti-bribery, anti-corruption, a.k.a. white-collar crime. How can your company harness technology and really smart people To dig in and become proactive against human stupidity. Melissa, I'll catch this in the phrase that human stupidity, the people who think, they're going to be able to get away with it. Let's use that definition. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. We're live. Join us on Twitter. Tom Fox, you're doing an amazing job of tweeting while you're talking and listening. I really appreciate that. You're, you're a game changer here. And Tom Flanagan, thanks for tweeting as well. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that dial, that app. Brad out. Yes, let's. Thank you, Mr. Intro Man. He's my rejoin man, actually. That's what technically that's called. Let's go back to my panel and ask them, in the spirit of Coffee Break with Game Changers, what are you drinking right now, or what do you want us to think you're drinking, or what do you wish you were drinking? That's a menu you can't resist. Tom Fox, talk to me. What's in your cup?
3: Bonnie, I have to give a huge shout-out to Starbucks because I'm drinking the absolute best tea I have ever tasted, masala chai tea in a pod from a, a Frisimo machine. It is absolutely fabulous.
0: Wonderful. I've never had anybody on the show say fabulous and Starbucks tea in the same sentence. That's interesting. <laughs> tell us tell, Seriously, and we love brand names. Tell me, what exactly is the style of tea? Again, you said chai tea, but you said something else, masala?
3: Yeah, it's called masala chai tea, and I can pick up about three or four different flavors. Uh, the main one is cinnamon, but it's not overwhelming, and it's just fabulous, and you're right. I've never said Starbucks, fabulous, and tea in the same sentence before. <laughs>
0: You set a record for the show. By the way, Thomas's English Muffins just released their special seasonal pumpkin spice flavored muffins, and they're amazing. So you might want to look for one of those to go with your chai mythology. That would be an interesting combination. Vince Walden, what are you drinking today or, what a
2: great What a great segment because I'm drinking a pumpkin spice latte. It's, it's <sighs> cold outside. Fall is upon us, and I figured it's the seasonal thing to get.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, you and I have to get together with the pumpkin spice tea and the pumpkin spice muffin. That's wonderful. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, that
2: complement it well, I would think.
0: <laughs> I, it might be a little overload, a little overdose of, yeah, an OD on pumpkin, but hey, it's only pumpkin season once, right? Right. And almost right. Halloween. Melissa Lee, what's in your cup today?
4: Well, this is probably going to shock you guys, but I've been on a bit of a health kick as we head into the holidays with all the eating I anticipate, so I've been using my Vitamix and I mix... Kale, ginger, apple, and celery into a delicious smoothie, but now that I've heard you describe your pumpkin spice latte and your Starbucks tea, I think I'm going to get something different right after this show.
0: Oh, that's so funny. Give us that recipe again. Kale and apple and celery and what else,
4: Melissa? And a little ginger to make it just a little sweet. It tastes so good until I think about all the other possible things I could be drinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, bravo for you being using our word. We introduced before proactive about your health pre-holiday. I like that instead of reactive. I'll probably do the opposite and pay the price in January. OMG. Okay. It's time to get serious now. Let's buckle down and talk about our topic. Vince Walden from ENY. I'm going to ask... Add- Ask you to kick this off with a discussion of new analytics. Let me read a little couple of notes you sent me before the show, and then I'm going to ask Melissa and Tom to join in. You say, from a compliance and fraud risk monitoring perspective, now we're talking monitoring, so you're going to tell me in a second if we're monitoring for prevention or monitoring for cure. Excuse that medical reference. You say, we're able to design new analytics that we have never been able to ask before, given our processing capability. So bring us up to speed. What what is this monitoring, and is it prevention or cure or both?
2: Yeah, this is this is uh, prevention, but it's also you know quite handy in a reactive uh, detection as well. Um, but the the idea here is that we are no longer looking at data in isolation. So, for example, we used to look at, you know, accounts payable data for high-risk or potentially corrupt payments, but now we're mixing it in with uh, shipping and logistics data, uh, you know, truck route data. And, you know, the payments data had never once talked to the shipping and logistics data to, to identify rogue routes or, you know, inappropriate destinations or even ghost or fake destinations. Um, the same, you know, there's so many combinations. Um, We're now combining, you know, payments data, like what I mentioned, with watch lists. Um, No longer are companies just doing uh, background checks when vendors or third parties are coming into the system. They're doing them on a real-time basis to allow, to identify, you know, new events or new news, Um, especially given in this industry and emerging markets, there's news unfolding all the time. So there's constant checks. And one of the things that, um, you know, I get the I get the pleasure of doing it. It's so much fun is coming up with these new ways to pull separate data sources together for analysis and some of these data sources can be quite large as you can imagine you think about sanctions lists. there's you know a million, millions of adverse media references or sanctions lists or bad guys out on these news feeds and being able to kind of quickly process those in minutes not hours in terms of the types of querying and processing speeds that need to get done it's really a game changer in terms of what questions we can now ask to help us reduce false positives, and identify perhaps rogue employee behavior uh, proactively and sooner rather than hearing it through the whistleblower hotline.
0: Thank you very much. Good point about whistleblower. Melissa or Tom, you want to join in and, and uh, comment on what Vince brought up about this, the monitoring and reactive proactive? Tom?
3: Sure. The, uh, the point that Vince raised is absolutely critical, but because it speaks to taking down the silos that many companies have, with their different business units, you have an extreme amount of talent in export control and anti-corruption compliance and anti-money laundering in the supply chain, in the sales chain, but in many instances, they didn't talk to each other, and more importantly, their data couldn't talk to each other. Now you have a way to tie that data together, to bring it to you, to be able to analyze it, not to resolve an issue, but to simply raise a red flag that could be investigated uh, for any number of violations.
0: Okay. Melissa, thoughts?
4: I think as we head towards the big data era, there's no denying that it's going to be a tremendous asset in the compliance arena. Um, when you have read through the laundry list of the topics, the white-collar crime topics my team's responsible for, we've certainly, you know, from a eliminate silos viewpoint, we've taken that approach where we want to make sure export controls and competition law violations and corruption, these things, tax violations, they tend to go hand-in-hand. So, We want to make sure the teams are talking to each other from an organizational perspective. And now as the software improves more and more, we can actually have that data talk to each other so that the live human being interaction can be a follow-up and efficiencies can be maximized.
0: Thank you, Melissa. I I want to ask you a question and then have the others jump in. I read in my intro this quote from the the Free Dictionary Legal Dictionary. They said about white-collar crime, it's hard to document the extent because the FBI's crime statistics only collects data on three categories, fraud, counterfeiting and forgery lumped together and embezzlement. Is is there a way that you – do you have anything better than the statistics from the FBI, Melissa? What do you see, and do you need statistics for this? You just know it's there. We need to do something about it. What's your point of view?
4: In terms of statistics –
0: Um, you know,
4: global or industry-wide, I think industry-wide statistics might be interesting, but for a company to design its own program and determine which topics are the highest priority, you'd have to look at your business model, your go-to-market model, your your third-party relationships, how often do you use distributors, and then look at what other companies uh, in your industry, what what are they doing or what cases are popping up. If if you're in the GSK industry right now, I imagine quite a few uh, pharmaceutical companies are scurrying. So you don't want to wait, hopefully, until someone in your industry does get tagged, but that's Mm -hmm. definitely a trigger. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say we would look to mass data across all industries that was compiled by, especially by the FBI, if it's limited to those three subject areas.
0: Thank you. I I want to throw out a question to the the entire panel. Who are the people who are perpetrating these white-collar crimes today? Are they super smart, hacker, techie, nerd kinds of people, men and women? Are they young? Are they old? Are they criminals just got out of who who spent 20 years in the the federal penitentiary studying technology and say, boy, I've got a new one. Let's see if they can catch me this time. Uh, I'm, I'm joking, but really not. Who are the people who are perpetrating this? There has to be somebody who spent a lot of time Looking into a way to defraud somebody else. Who are they? Tom, Vince, Melissa? Who are you seeing that are doing this?
3: This
2: is Vince. I definitely have a point of view, but I'll yield, Melissa. Since you're in the day-to-day, you know, I'll, I'll let you answer first, perhaps. I'll yield to you, and and then I can comment on what I see in the data quite often.
4: Okay, Melissa. Okay, okay no problem. I think um, you know from an internal perspective, we most often. We spend our time uh, answering questions and and dealing with confusion. So, you know, I wouldn't say we've had an experience where a brilliant criminal has made it through our hiring practice schemes and managed to set up a corruption program right under our noses. I'm sure that happens. Um,
0: Mm -hmm.
4: So you can't rule that out, and you have to have controls in place and, and try to monitor and detect that. But the biggest volume of the work that my team does is clearing up confusion and answering questions for the people that intend to not
0: violate the law Interesting okay Vince what's your POV?
4: yeah,
3: and
2: good I, you know and i I think you said exactly what I was hoping you'd say, which you did, which was you know we're seeing this happen to folks oftentimes without corrupt intent or um because of lag because of the cultural norms, and unfortunately, when you think about bribery and corruption in emerging markets and uh you know and in places such as in Africa and, and and Western Europe, you know, it's the norm to pay bribes and and to, to government officials. And, yes, companies have significant compliance policies and communications and trainings, but sometimes those trainings and communications don't get out to the sales force in some of these remote locations. and Or if they do, it's viewed as, oh, that's just corporate talking. Ignore them. We'll just keep it local. So we see this in people, you know, in the sales force. We see this in... Distributors or third-party intermediaries that companies are working with—you know—may not even be the employees. It might even be the company's agents or distributors that they're working with. It's just especially prominent in the life sciences space. Um, so, I mean, it's not necessarily an individual bad guy who's scheming, although you know sometimes that quite often is. But oftentimes, it's just the sales force. It's the people out there
3: in the fields.
0: Interesting, Tom Fox. You want to join us before we hit our break in about a minute?
3: Uh, Yes, because I want to take a little bit different uh, view on that. The focus is not on who. It should be on how it occurred. Every enforcement action involves a failure of internal controls, of financial controls, or uh, either not having them in place or having them in place and not following them. To focus on the who is doing this, there's never an enforcement action where one rogue employee actually commits bribery and corruption if, if we focus on bribery and corruption as opposed to other types of fraud.
0: Okay, you know what? You took us right out to our break. We're going to go take a break, take a 57-second collective deep breath. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about Eye on Compliance, focus on anti-bribery, anti-corruption. My panel today, three very smart people who know what they're talking about, so listen up. I've got Tom Fox, attorney and independent consultant who is a major tweeter today. Tom, I don't know how you're doing it. Vince Walden from Ernst & Young and Melissa Lee from SAP. We're talking all kinds Of things about preventing being proactive and reactive, preventing detecting who's doing it. We're going to get to the why and whether there are some economic indicators that it's going to surge or not when we come back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. We'll be right back. Brad out.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business. Enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at SAP.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers.
0: Here we are talking about white-collar crime, bribery embezzlement, forgery, insider trading, all the stuff that makes for great movies and great TV and edge of your seat, heavy breathing. What's going to happen? Will the bad guy, the bad gal be caught and what will the penalty be? But let's talk about times, economic times. What are the, the instigators or the economic conditions, if at all, that are important in, in making an era where bribery and corruption will surge or wane. So let me start off with Tom Fox. Uh, Tom, you're 25 years of practicing law in Houston. Have you seen any kinds of cycles related to the economy, related to unemployment, or since the people who need to do this kind of white-collar crime need to be so sophisticated and so focused, do, are they outside of that economic cycle? What have you observed?
3: Well, within the, uh, regarding bribery and corruption, specifically the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, we have really seen uh, no correlation to the economic cycle. Approximately 110 cases are open under investigation by the Department of Justice now. That's down from about 120 last year. The, uh, the real key seems to be that the financial controls or internal controls have failed, but it doesn't seem to be tied to either the up or down in the economy. It's the enforcement by the Department of Justice.
0: Okay, thank you. Vince Walden, Ian Y., what have you found? Any tie to any, the mood of the country or the world or is it just a sign of our times? Is it waxing or waning right now? What do you see? I,
2: I see it as a little bit of a sign of the times. I also think uh-huh. of perhaps what's next beyond, um, you know, FCPA in terms of perhaps it's human rights or other violations, but getting back, you know, I, I still think that I have this discussion that I often lead where we call it the perfect storm for bribery and corruption and, you know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm putting on my, my CFE hat. I think of the fraud triangle when pressure, opportunity, and rationalization are present is when you have a high environment or a high likelihood of fraud. And I still think that pressure among uh, global corporations and emerging markets is still at an all-time high. The opportunity is definitely there. Even though we're seeing compliance step up and uh, step up monitoring, step up their training, we're still seeing a lot of companies ask questions on how can they do better analytics. But that's countered oftentimes by the opportunity gap where perhaps there's been layoffs or there's lack of middle management or lack of oversight where people can get away with things and they think the opportunity can present themselves. And then that third piece of that fraud triangle is the rationalization. The challenge with FCPA and bribery is that oftentimes in these countries, it's the norm, it's the cultural norm to pay bribes. And so that's the, that feeds into the rationalization, it's what everybody else does, it's, it's the norm, it's how you do business in this country. So again, that perfect storm, pressure, opportunity, and rationalization is still at an all-time high, and I, I just don't see it changing in the next couple of years.
0: We need to tweet that. We need to tweet that triangle of opportunity. Thank you very much. Melissa, I want to extend the conversation. A couple of points you sent me before the show. I'm going to read a couple of them. Let's see if we can put them all together. Doing business anywhere opens up a risk for corruption. That's your first point. The second is, as, as the other panelists have said, in emerging markets where bribery is a normal part of daily life, anti-bribery compliance programs face the toughest challenge. And the third thing, this is where I'd like you to go, is the most important thing you say, however, is senior management involvement. Employees listen to what their senior leaders say consistently, and then you parenthetically add, except maybe the criminals, but that's a different issue. Mm-hmm. So what should senior management be saying if you're a global company? We know globalization is is pervasive. I don't know who could survive without being globalized in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a footprint in other countries or remote staff in other countries or consultants from other countries. So, Melissa, Talk to me. Senior management, what is their role? What should their message be to tell people in the company, don't even think about it? What have you observed? I think traditionally leadership in, in a corporate organization, they want to be
4: focused on revenue generation, maximizing shareholder interest. So there's some cheerleader aspect to that, and there's a desire to always be mm-hmm. positive. The concept of compliance can be a tough sell because it's not positive. You don't, you don't want to walk into a room full of salespeople and say, be sure not to pay any illegal bribes as you're opening because that kind of alienates them. It makes them maybe feel accused, at least in theory. Mm-hmm. But what we're finding is, or I guess in my experience, what you want from your senior leadership is an almost overly dramatic sense of outrage when a control is intentionally circumvented. Or Melissa,
0: a... repeat that. Repeat that. Mm-hmm. That was so important. I want you to say it again. You want what from your senior management? What I might
4: almost consider an overly dramatic sense of outrage because... Thank you. <laughs> if, if they don't show that outrage, if only compliance is outraged, like how dare you submit a fake expense receipt, um, and senior management just wants to say, oh, but it was only for a small amount, and he didn't necessarily know it was fake, right. which sounds kind of silly to me, but um, then you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. So where we have leaders, and, and this is pretty consistent because we look for this in our in our country level leaders and our our boards definitely our board leaders definitely demonstrate this. Everybody needs to invest. In the company, on a level where if someone cheats, everybody feels like that person has cheated them on an individual level. And then it really helps create that compliance culture that you're looking for.
0: Thank you. Compliance culture, very important. Very, very good point. Vince, Tom, you want to chime in? Have you seen this in your travels, Vince, through ENY, through the companies you work with? Have you seen this sense of leadership outrage uh, where they are basically leading the charge and saying, We will not tolerate this, don't go there? What do you see? <clears throat>
2: Well, you know, I see in a lot of compliance programs and the message that uh, the, lead, the senior manager has is, you know, they use the word zero tolerance policy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and that's something that echoes. But truly, and again, I, I see it in some companies work real, real well and others I don't in terms of how, you know, how how leadership stands behind that policy. And Melissa, you're spot on in terms of, you know, if it's not, that the tr- dramatic sense of outrage is so true. If if uh, if the if the folks on the ground and in the in the regions aren't aggressively pushing it, uh it it it, it I've seen it time and time again of, with with several con- country or companies that it can be. uh It, it often goes unheard. So tone Tom at the Fox. top is key. Yep.
0: Very key. Tom Fox, what have you seen in your years not only as, as an attorney but as an independent consultant? What have you observed?
3: Well, they're both absolutely right that tone on the top is key. But let me focus on GSK because not only mm-hmm. did their code of conduct specifically say there would be zero tolerance for bribery and corruption, they were under a criminal enforcement action for prior uh, fraud sins in advertising where they agreed, after having paid a $3 billion fine, to have a gold standard best class uh anti-corruption compliance program in face in, uh, in place, but nevertheless, they failed in having their internal controls and financial controls followed, which allowed uh, the bribery to occur in China. So it's a combination of both. You have to have that tone at the top, but you also have to have those controls in place. And if I could uh, go back and quote Ronald Reagan, trust but yes. verify.
0: Yes. Now, question. When you're hiring, whether it's an internal staff, whether it's a part-time employee, whether it's a consultant. Somebody once told me a consultant is somebody who lives or works more than 15 miles away from where you are and charges double what you pay an employee. I don't know if that's true anymore. He's he's long gone, but it was an interesting perspective at the time. When you're hiring somebody or bringing them on board, and and even if you get them to sign an NDA – what should a company and, and we have a large business audience? I want my panelists to know we don 't know whether our audience is is predominantly on the startup side whether they 're all in the sme range whether they 're in top echelon, huge enterprises, so we talk to everybody in this the spectrum A to z size companies and all over the world. I can tell you we now have over sixty two countries listening to our shows, which is great. so the question is what should you look for? When you hire somebody or bring them in, NDA or not, hey, it's just a piece of paper, I'm sorry, what should you look for to help you be sure that this person doesn't have, I'll quote something from Melissa Lee's talking points, a reputation for corruption or past ill deeds? Melissa, you want to start us off with this? Uh, sure. I,
4: I think there are two separate pieces to it. Number one is what you look for in terms of whatever background check or due diligence you perform. And to me, that's almost check the box because – that should be easily verifiable data. So you're looking to make sure there are no obvious signs that someone's Mm -hmm. a bad hire or a bad consultant. But on the flip side, what do we do to impress upon that person if they're trying to join SAP? How do we approach that interview so they know before they come in the door what the tolerance level is going to be? So if someone's Mm -hmm. looking for a place where they want to have a freewheeling hand and pay bribes and run some hospitality schemes so that they can increase their own revenue target, um, we want them interviewed right from the get-go by senior leaders at that point in time where compliance and integrity, where those topics are raised, so that the expectation set, and then they'll know not to come work here, if that's how they intend to do business.
0: Okay. Vince, Walden?
2: You know, gosh, it's sure hard to tell from a resume and and even the background yes. check with given, you know, given money in front of them, would they take it or not, Um so it's it 's hard to comment on what attributes other than just the uh, the case study or the the case examples that you give in the interview and of course the background check, I would offer up one thing you know one thing that i've found as an as an indicator a lead indicator to a lot of the fraud schemes that we 've uncovered is and again, I hate to go back to monitoring, but we 've done for example um, we 've helped clients develop these scoring algorithms and even something just as easy as One's a uh, travel and entertainment expense policy. especially when you think about global sales forces and they're out and about entertaining clients and the patterns that they exhibit there is a great indicator of their overall integrity Um, when we see for example one of the leading indicators we saw when we we scored essentially a risk-ranked employees in regions over multiple attributes we found that um, you know a lot you know when the weekend payments are coming through but also when you're consistently late on your your Amex corporate account or your company card um, among other factors of late payments, late fees, um, sensitive keywords that are used to describe or vague keywords used to describe payments descriptions, uh, people rise to the top. And what we consistently see is there's usually that 10 or 20 percent of the violators generating about 80 percent of the results. So it's Pareto's law in effect. So mm-hmm. I know I didn't quite directly answer your question, but we see it no, a lot when we do the risk that- scoring.
0: That's great. That's that's a good indication because we want to educate our listeners, and that's that's very good advice. Thank you. Tom Fox, we need to get you in on this. What do you see? Any indicators, any red flags that are so obvious or not so obvious? And I'm going to ask Tom to also address the social media. If you do a social search on someone and see, I don't know, what they're bragging about on Twitter or these little things that pop up on their Facebook page, look what I did this weekend, look what I got away with, uh, is there a, a tell that people have where they're willing to expose and not realize that an employer might be looking? What do you see, Tom Fox?
3: Well, I see actually what uh, Melissa brought up in terms of background checks are things that most companies do, obviously with employees, but also with third-party consultants Mm -hmm. and uh, representatives, agents, and others. And, uh, that has almost become a a tick the box and companies are now understanding or moving towards what Vince is suggesting, which is it's the, uh, monitoring and management of that relationship going forward, whether that's the employment relationship with an employee, whether it's a contractual relationship with a consultant or other third party. It is giving that employer, that third party, that consultant training. It's providing them with the tools to report the information. It is monitoring their invoices, if it's a consultant like myself, sending in an invoice. It's it's monitoring the travel and entertainment expenses to see if something is coming up and then identifying it early, either in asking questions. It doesn't mean something's wrong, but it's investigating a red flag, which comes up. So it's really a uh, two-part test, not test. But it's two parts to it. One, do your background due diligence, but then monitor the relationship and manage that relationship going forward.
0: So be diligent, be vigilant, don't be afraid to ask the tough questions. Uh, you know, there's there's a sense of politeness some companies have. Oh, I wouldn't want to ask Bob what he meant by this. But I guess the lesson learned here is, damn it, find a way to ask Bob what he meant by it and clarify. And that also sends a message to Bob, you can't just slide things over to the other side and we're going to pay everything. Good information. I'm talking to Tom Fox, attorney and independent consultant, Vince Walden from Ernst & Young, Melissa Lee from S. AP, and we're talking about Eye on Compliance. Focus on anti-bribery, anti-corruption, its causes, its roots, any economic components, how do you set up a good compliance policy, how do you have senior leadership lead the charge to say, we will not tolerate it. Zero tolerance means zero tolerance. Don't even think about it. And how do you use big data and, data and analytics to enforce your policies and detection? We'll be right back with Guess What? The Crystal Ball segment. We're going to find out what Tom Fox... Vince Walden and Melissa Lee think this topic will be if we had the discussion five years from today. Will it be a thing of the past? I don't think so. We'll be right back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Brad out.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
0: Here we are, and I have a quick shout-out to our other tweeter extraordinaire, also named Tom, Tom Flanagan from SAP, who is usually the, the tweeting honcho on our HR Trends with Game Changers show. But because my co-producer Malcolm Kimberlin is on the ground in Las Vegas, poor Malcolm, at TechEd, and busy today, Tom Flanagan volunteered to help us with the tweet. So Tom Fox and Tom Flanagan, it's the Twitter wars. And Tom Flanagan said during the Coffee Break segment he's drinking Bulletproof execs, delicious grass-feed butter, in MCT oil-infused bulletproof coffee. I have no idea what that is, but he drinks it all the time and it must be working. So let's get to our prediction segment. I'm going to start with Tom Fox, attorney and independent consultant. Tom, five years from today, if we reconvene, and I hope we will, to talk about ION compliance, will we have made advances across the board, across the globe, in terms of proactive prevention and quicker reactive detection and stoppage of bribery and corruption in the corporate environment. Tom Fox? Uh,
3: Absolutely. Uh, First of all, the tools will become more available and more widely used, such as uh, analytics into into big data, uh, transaction monitoring, relationship monitoring and third-party monitoring will move towards an ongoing real-time basis, as Vince has talked about in depth. But I think it's going to be driven by this more international enforcement focus, and that's why I think they keep coming back to GSK. It is the first time we've had a foreign country enforce its own laws, and while the Chinese may be doing that for their own internal political reasons in terms of their overall problem with fraud and corruption, Other countries, such as, name it Russia, India, Brazil, that are perceived to have high indices of corruption, may take the unfortunate lesson that, well, we'll just start enforcing these laws against the bad Western companies who are paying us these bribes. And if we have that increased enforcement, it's going to drive increased compliance.
0: Very good. Thank you very, very much. And, you know... Will this make other countries braver? You mentioned, of course, China and Russia. What about other countries that that are not in the forefront of detection or where bribery is, as Melissa said and the other panelists said, where it's a a daily way of life? Do you think they'll get braver, Tom? Will they say, look up and say, hey, you know, the global corporate culture is stepping up to the plate and saying, stop, enough. We're going to be part of that. We're going to help reinforce it as though they're all following senior management, but it's of disparate countries, disparate companies. So, Tom, do you think there'll be this me too, get on the bandwagon and get tough? Will it happen?
3: Uh, yes, but I think it'll be driven by, number one, they see the huge number amount of fines that the U.S. government generates from FCPA violations. And, in fact, yesterday we had a $48 million fine announced against the Diebold Manufacturing Company. But also the Department of Justice has worked very diligently to train prosecutors in other countries across the globe in anti-corruption and anti-bribery enforcement because the U.S. government views it as truly a worldwide problem, and until we have a worldwide solution, it will continue unabated.
0: Thank you very much. Good insights. And Vince Walden from Ernst & Young, what do you see five years from today, or do you want to pick a different time frame? Vince, your choice
2: well five, 3 to 5 years from today okay. i think the word big data will be a word of the past we won't refer to that anymore it's no longer a buzzword mm-hmm. because it's just the norm mm-hmm. and and from a monitoring perspective we will see companies significantly move from the types of analytics and monitoring that are descriptive in nature that tell me what has happened looking back and into what Predictive analytics, which what will happen, and perhaps even the word prescriptive analytics, which is what should we do about it. And uh, right now, I think it's a Gartner statistic, about 70% of companies still do the descriptive-type analytics. And predictive and prescriptive-type analytics are just now coming to the forefront. Um, and I think as we see three to five years from now, we'll see a lot more of that predictive and prescriptive-type analytics taking place.
0: And what will be the publicity around that, Vince? What will be the way for companies to let – in other words, would you go on social media if you're a big company and say, hey, guess what? We've got somebody really smart running our prescriptive and predictive analytics, so don't come here and expect to foist bribery schemes on us. I don't care how clever you are. Well, how will how will they get the word out that they're doing this, not just in the big legal press or the business press, but how do you tell people don't mess with us?
3: Well – well hold on
2: let me let me take a step back and I I don't think I quite understand the question in terms of what's going to happen in the future. I'm I answer that in the context of perhaps what's you know what will compliance monitoring programs look like? Right. Uh, and what will companies be doing about it? Um right. and in terms of employees, um you know that that idea of perhaps more information becoming available for decision makers uh will only improve and uh gosh integrating social media especially uh will uh, will be one of those feeds or those distinct data sources
0: that's what I was looking for. And I just wanted uh, to know, how, how will companies let their employees and prospective employees and prospective consultants say, don't mess with us. We are really strong on the compliance. We're really strong in our measures to prevent you from coming in and getting the best of us. Yeah, so you know, I guess
2: it, No, that's a good point. And just one comment on that one would be just, you know, it's amazing just how simple an email from compliance can do to say, hey, we noticed this anomaly activity. You might want to stop at seeing your boss. Thank you. And that a huge, Thank
0: you. That so, has
2: a huge, profound deterrent effect. Yes,
0: yes. Even and without that's part investigating. of what Melissa was saying. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> good, good, good preventive. Lead the charge. Stand up and say, not here. Melissa Lee, what do you see going forward, five years or how far into the future does your crystal ball show? Clear skies, Melissa. I'm
4: always an optimist, so I see a bright light in the future. And I think both Tom and Vince hit the points right on the head. The. Increased enforcement activities, even outside the U.S. and Germany and, and the U.K., um, I mean, we've seen enforcement activities from Canada, a new law in Brazil, Russia, and, and now China has really stepped up. So multinationals are going to be compelled to have programs, and they're going to also be compelled to make those programs effective. So the challenge that I'm describing and actually just communicating what's the business expectation when that's a huge change management project in some countries, that will go away and then people in roles like mine we can spend more time focusing on where Vince was pointing how do we design tools or analytics so that we can really target the areas where we should be focusing rather than me spending all day on the phone asking or answering questions that are asked about can I take such and such customer to a concert at the FAP arena in in, uh, in Waldorf, Germany we have to look at the specific facts now but if we can set a system up so that we can help our employees help themselves to analyze those risks and we're going to you know knock those questions out, that huge volume of work for the people who don't intend to break the law, and then we can really focus on where we should be focusing for the people who are purposely trying to get around controls.
0: I'll call that accidental breakage. So Vince, quick quick question. What's Robocop? Is it working?
4: Um- it's the, it's
2: the SEC's, I'll call it big data, although I can't, it's not yes. me to coin that, it's the SEC's world, but, uh, the SEC currently analyzes, I think, over 400 gigabytes of data a day of all the SEC filings and 10K information coming in and what robocop is is their uh their use of big data to immediately run peer group analytics on the financial systems that are being reported to look for rogue activity what doesn't look good what are the accruals why is it different than the industry peer group and using that as a lead in for opening up inquiries uh in the SEC so it's Thanks. it's quite a it's quite a topic And, uh, you know, if you just Google Robocop and the SEC, you'll, you'll get a lot of people talking about it because it's gonna really step up the game from a compliance monitoring and financial reporting perspective around accounting fraud.
0: Thank you very much. Melissa, sorry about that misstep, but you tap dance very nicely. And Vince, I I said to myself, oh my God, that's Vince's name, not Melissa. Listen, I have my predictions written down. We're almost out of time, so let me get to them. Tomorrow, Startup Focus with Game Changers. What a show. I have for you three people who are attending TechEd. They're startups. They're cool. They're smart. The topic is Pounding the Pavement, live from TechEd. From pitch to positioning, how do you get out there and spread out the message about how great your new company is? We'll find out next Tuesday, HR Trends with Game Changers. And again, a shout out to Tom Flanagan, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, HR Trends, the art and science of HR analytics. Good topic there. And next Wednesday, Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. We'll be talking about the best run cities, technology-wise, part two. Thank you, Vince Walden. Thank you, Tom Fox. Thank you, Melissa Lee. Great panel. You get it. You know how to play in a sandbox. I really appreciate it. Shout out to Karen Geraldo who's tweeting for us today. Karen, thank Thanks for the comment on my voice. She says, Radio Red, that's me. Radio Red's voice encompasses the whole spectrum. And thanks for the great tweets. Tom Fox, I don't know how you do it, talking, walking, and tweeting at the same time. It's an art. Shout-outs to Malcolm Kimberlin and TechEd. Talk to you tomorrow. Tom Flanagan again. Brad and the Business Channel team. And here's my call to action fasten your seat belt. what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today bonnie d graham signing off for another edition of coffee break with game changers presented by sap talk to you tomorrow on startup focus bye bye